Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. to Ticket Manager's all-access interview series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode to discuss what's next for his organization and take a look at its evolution over the past decade is Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff. Bill, it's an honor and a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, Jim, thank you for having me on, and it, it is an honor and a pleasure for me, too. I <laughs> appreciate that. Well, I, I think to start, I would be remiss, uh, given recent developments, if I didn't ask you about expansion. We know now that the, the playoff is staying at, at four teams through the 2025 season, but of course, there are lots of people who would like to see it uh, grow after that. So, can you just tell us where, where does the discussion stand at this point and, and kind of what happens next? A couple of weeks ago, uh, our board decided not to pursue expansion before the end of the current 12-year contract. The contract uh, is signed by 18 different entities. <laughs> and the only way to break any contract, of course, is for all entities to agree to break the contract and start all over. And we just had a few people that said, we're, we're just unable to agree to change. So we will stand down now and, uh, and at some point in the future, uh, begin to focus on what the format might be for the CFP beginning in with the 26th regular season. Right. So, I mean, that may be the uh, silver lining there is, you know, you have a few years to, to kind of line up all of the ducks that have to be lined up, right? And have all of those conversations and, and not have to do it with, a, you know, the, the sort of Damocles deadline hanging over your head, I guess. Yeah, we have a lot of ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and not just the ones in Oregon. Yes. Well, beyond expansion, Bill, what do you consider to be the, the other top challenges or, or issues facing the CFP in in coming years? Just to continue to grow the event, draw more fans. We we do very well. I mean, this is a first world problem. We are the second highest rated program on television behind the Super Bowl and maybe the Macy's Parade on Thanksgiving. I don't remember how that lines up, but certainly the second highest uh, sports program in terms of ratings. But we're, we're all, I don't want to say greedy, but we all want to bring more folks into our, our sphere. And those of us who love college football and have loved it forever uh, need to understand that there are people out there who still need to be 
brought into the family. Right. And so that's one of our goals is, is to enhance the event in that way. I think further also enhance the brand. People are coming to know our brand. This is this will be our ninth season. But we want, we've got some more work to do on that, and we'll continue. But we're off to a really good start in our first eight years and just, just really looking forward to continuing an event that has become exceptionally popular among sports fans. I'd love to explore a couple of the things that you said there a, a little bit more. And, and you mentioned you know, bringing, bringing new fans and kind of expanding the tent, uh, to use the, the political term. Um, yeah, there's so much conversation in, in among all sports today about developing kind of the next generation of fans. We know that young adults, youth consume sports and media so much differently than previous generations. They've got different needs and desires. So is that something that is either a concern or something that you know, the CFP is directly uh, addressing at this point? My generation consumes sports differently than my dad's generation did. So it is so true that if there's one thing constant, it's the fact that, that, that there is change. We know that we are adding more people in, into the world as they, as they are college football fans when they're in school and then they leave school. And, and, and what hundreds of thousands of people graduate from college every year and they're, and they're taking their college football love with them. But we, we, yeah, we need to figure out whether we're doing the right delivery system to reach that coveted 18 to 49 demographic. I don't know. I don't know what the answers are. I don't feel like we have a major problem, but but it, it, you're right. It is it is changing. And while we attempt to make sure we're relevant in the year 2022, we also have to be thinking about, are we going to still be relevant in the year 2042? Uh, that That is the big challenge, I think, for not just for you, but for everyone. And, and I don't think anybody has the answers right now, but we're all, all working on figuring it out. That's right. You also mentioned the brand and continuing to, to grow the brand. So I'd like to take a step back because you really have in, in the past decade, which is a you know, relatively short period of time, you've built quite a strong uh, brand in, in the college football playoff. So maybe we'll start with that, like how, how you've done that and, and maybe some of the major milestones there and, and, and how you will continue to be able to build on, on the strength of what you already have. Yeah, I love talking about this because if you think about it, uh, we are the only major sporting event that has come online in America in the last, I don't know, when was the first Super Bowl? 52 years. Right. And so that was an awesome opportunity for those of us who love college football and get to work with this event. But we had to start off and we, we had nothing. We had me. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Certainly, we, we had to build a staff. And while we were doing all that, we were paying attention to the brand. And the brand, I, my belief about a brand is that you have to build a, restrict, a, a respected brand from the start. And everybody listening to this podcast knows a lot more about branding than I do. But we knew we wanted to get, the, get and maintain that respect. We knew the brand would be represented by the mark. And, and we knew the brand would be represented by, by the behavior and what kind of event we were running. Right. And boy, creating the mark was so much fun and, and such, an, such an awesome opportunity. I'll tell you a little story about the mark itself. We decided we were going to have an online voting process and let the fans choose the mark. Right. 
And so we contracted with a group to conduct this online poll for us. This was back in 2013. And we had five, four or five different options. And we put them all out and it really included one kind of ugly mark, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> and so we put it all out and the fans began to vote and this one bad mark surged into the lead by a lot. And so I'm thinking, oh no, why did we do this? Grant this fan choose the mark uh, contest. Well, the computing company that did the, the, uh, the polling sheepishly called me to say, we've got a little problem. One person voted, I'll say 20,000 times for, for this ugly mark. So we were able to kick those out and then okay. continue with the fan voting. And they, they chose that gold football mark that we, that we now use. And very proud of that, and and really proud that we that we had the public involved in the, in deciding what the brand would be. And I would think that you know, the the mark has certainly become iconic. And I would think the that may have been the more difficult part versus the name, because I think the name everybody leading up to that I think wanted the playoff, right? Everybody kept thinking, you know, it's time for college football to have a playoff. You know, the, the, the old you know, monikers and things that were attached to that BCS or whatever didn't have that magic word in it. So was that, you know, pretty much decided from the beginning that it was college football playoff was, was pretty much the way to go? Yeah, well, I have a story about that as well. <laughs> um, we had a committee that was to choose the name. And, and just imagine the clean slate that we had in front of us. Sure. And we explored all kinds of the names with a lot of sizzle. College Bowl, I don't know, College Super Bowl, and really cool names. But we settled on the name that we have. And I went to, I conducted a news conference out in Pasadena. I'll never forget it. It was the spring of 2013. And so I go out in front of these lights and cameras, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, the name of the new event is going to be College Football Playoff. And a reporter in San Antonio tweeted immediately, if Bill Hancock had a dog, its name would be Dog. dog. <laughs> the point being that it's an un, un, you know, unimaginative name, but I said so is National Football Association. <laughs> so is Major League Baseball. So if we're unimaginative, why well, we're following right in line. And and now and now, of course, college football playoff and, and CFP are 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 joining the vernacular, I will say that. And we're, we're, we're proud of where we are with the brand. We have a long way to go. What well, this, this will be the 82nd, I believe, NCAA Final Four. I may be off by a year or so. And this year will be our ninth year for the college football playoffs. So yeah, we've got a way, we have, we have a ways to go, but we are off to a really good start. Some might say unimaginative, but others I think would say clear and straightforward, which is not, That's not right. bad in branding. <laughs> That's right. That's right. One of the ways that the CFP is, is unique, many ways that it is, but uh, is the relationship with your this very big blue chip roster of, of corporate partners. Now, the unique part comes with the, you know, the partnership sales and, and the revenue that all falls within your media partner, the ESPN. So the benefit that the CFP receives is, is not that direct monetary benefit that many other sports properties have. That's the first thing they would point to for, with their sponsors. But I imagine there's still a real benefit to you to, and the organization to having brands such as Dr. Pepper and AT&T and Allstate 
in that mix. Would I, would I be correct? Yeah, of course, you, you want major companies in the family, and ESPN understands that. I, I have a particular affinity for the companies that, that choose to activate, that spend a little extra money in addition to their media uh, to activate their sponsorships. Love what Dr. Pepper does, of course, starting with Larry Culpepper back in the day and, and now the new deal of, of Fanville. And several of our sponsors have chosen to, to activate and be, be, an, be an active part of, of who we are. We, we really like that. You mentioned uh, the the 18 uh, votes that are necessary to get things done. That's a lot of voices at, at the table between the conferences, the universities, the ESPN, the bowl games. I'm wondering in that mix if any of the, the corporate partners ever try to exert any influence over what they would like to see happen, or are they more, more or less kind of at, at arm's length? They really don't try to exert in influence, not with, not with us anyway. They may say to ESPN, you know, in a casual conversation, hey, I wish they would expand or I wish they would do X, Y, or Z, but no, not not ever to us. And I'll go a step forward with that. Also, uh, ESPN doesn't have any influence. They don't try to have any influence in terms of the format and sure. how we operate with a selection committee. And I mean, they're they're heavily involved in the branding, of course, but as far as the administration of the event, they're not involved and they don't want to be involved. Well, I think the only other question that's just popped into, into my mind that I'd like to ask you is uh, obviously the big change in, in uh, college athletics over the last year has been the, the introduction of, of NIL and, and, the, and the ability for the athletes themselves to monetize uh, some of their, their involvement. Does that, do you think, have any impact going forward on, on, on the CFP uh, in terms of you know, maybe keeping athletes around longer or you know, I, I'm trying to imagine what other impacts it, it potentially could have. But I think you've probably thought about that a little bit more than I have. Yeah, you, you know, you have to remember that, Jim, that all we do is decide a national champion. Right. We are, we are really three games to decide a national championship. And so we're in college athletics. And so we're certainly watching what happens. And my opinion is I wish that the NCAA had been able to get more on, on top of this uh, earlier, sure. so that maybe they could have had some parameters under which NIL could have operated. Right. But no, as far as the as far as the national semifinals and the championship game, uh, we haven't seen any effect yet. We we have made it available to student athletes to uh, monetize uh, around the game itself. We haven't we haven't uh, lent our marks to any of that because people people are in our family and have the right to use the marks. Right. But we we had some activation on the part of student athletes around the events, but not a lot. And sure. I, I, th I think that will probably build over time. And as we watch and see what the NCAA does to again, get, get perhaps get some parameters around what NIL means. No, absolutely. We still lots of, lots of evolution to come there. So Bill, I appreciate again so much you uh, taking a few minutes and and, and answering those questions, and uh, it's been been a pleasure. And hopefully, we can continue this conversation in whatever way, shape, or form. But uh, just want to say thanks, thanks once again. Well, glad to do it, Jim. And again, thank you for the opportunity. Take care. <laughs> you too. And on behalf of everyone at Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching and listening. And please join us again for the next episode in the All Access Interview Series.